Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, this is the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan, and uh, I'm honored to get to host today with Pastor Christian. Uh, this Sunday was titled A Fork in the Road, kind of after that quote of Jim Elliott. It's a great quote. Great quote. Um, you had everyone take a picture. What a smart idea to remember that. Uh, it's part of this Kingdom series, and our Bible text today is Matthew 14. I want to welcome you. We're glad you're listening today. Hopefully you'll share this. We encourage you to watch the message before you listen. It's always a good idea. Although many times I prepare these uh, questions without <laughs> having uh, watched the message or listened to it. But people tune every week uh, to, to learn, to grow. We hope to activate your faith. We've joked the last few weeks about the B team, the JV team, uh, but I'm, they're legit. They've done an unbelievable job. Our church is about investing and discipling people. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of our church planning uh, residents as well as our intern program? Yeah, so I, I would say this. We, the, the jokes we make, we only make because they are so clearly not yeah. a B team um, or the JV. And on, Alex, how old are you? How old is Gracia? 27. Yeah. I mean, I remember us at 26 and 27. Yeah. We were not that. No. Um, the, the, gifting, the gifting and the experience and the maturity um, coming out of those young guys, and a lot of our, a lot of our young kids, yeah. um, is, is just outstanding. Um, so it's, it's, it's not only nice to step away and develop, but, I mean, you've got, you've got guys who are almost ready-made, um, develop so it doesn't feel like development for our people. I, yeah. Like this morning, as I was making my rounds in the kids ministry before our services, so many people were like, "Christian did so good. Christian did so good. Christian did so good." Uh, like our people don't miss me when I'm gone. They are they are glad to receive from the people that we are developing, um, and we do. We we want to be a church that's like a training hospital. We always want to have somebody right beside us learning to do what we're doing and then doing it with us overseeing them and then learning how to do that on their own and then releasing them to do it because that's what Jesus said. Um, Jesus said, go, go, and as you live your life, make disciples. And the apostle Paul said, you got you to teach people the things that you know so they can teach other people to teach people the things. That you, like there's just four generations of discipleship, uh, and it's, it's really neat to be a part of that. And I think we're even learning. We had our 2023 planning retreat this past week. We're even learning how to do that better and help our church understand that better. And we're learning how to celebrate that better. And I think the legacy of our church, uh, if the Lord allows me to, to pastor into my 60s, um, if I'm able to lead Journey for 30 years, uh, our church will never be known for its seating capacity. Um, I've, I've got no desire, nor do I think it's in the plan of God for us to be a church, five, 10,000, 15,000 people, multiple campuses everywhere. That's not really what we're even aiming for. We want to be a church that has high sending capacity, yeah. not high seating capacity. And I think the greatest legacy of our church will be those people who were developed at our church and then left yeah. to, go, to go plant their own churches, plant their own ministries, to go be missionaries. Or they leave and then they come back and, and take over for us when we're uh, old and graying and just don't have the energy to do what we do now. Um, but I, I really believe... We are called to be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that yep. makes disciples. I promise you the Lord is not going to ask me what our attendance is. He is going to ask me if we sent out anyone 
to, con- to continue doing the ministry yeah. that he's called us to. There's probably plenty to tweet in there. Uh, I- I'm not a tweeter, but there was probably plenty about we want to be known. I don't as think a they're called Cindy. that. No, they're not. <laughs> and I just thought I'd show my ignorance by saying that. <laughs> yeah. Twits, tweeters. I better stop. I don't think it's that either. None of that. Uh, But yeah, we want to be known for sending and not seating capacity. It was great. Um, And of course, this morning you had interns in with us. It's great. People who feel called called to ministry, learning, growing, pouring into them. Had our our Bible college kids, yeah. So we've got nine um, interns this summer who are all enrolled in Bible college. We're at Bible college last year, going to Bible college next year, who all are getting a degree track in full-time ministry, and they're not just serving at our church this summer, but they're kind of shadowing me all summer long because we've got them in what we're calling our ministry leadership track. We're trying to get them ready to be ministry leaders, not just ministry participants. So we're teaching them kind of the behind the behind the scenes of what it looks like to run a ministry, run a church. And yeah, it was just awesome having them in there yeah. with our elders and pastors, just getting to watch um, and and see what leadership looks like beyond the level that they're at right now. Yeah, no, it's great. So your first profile of a kingdom person was John yeah. the Baptist today, yep. um, and about his ministry, you say this, John the Baptist's ministry was to get people with very little spiritual hope ready to see God's Savior. Yeah. Of course, in the church whose mission statement is that we, we exist to see people yeah. far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. Why is this kingdom profile of John the Baptist so important? So in my, in my homiletics and hermeneutic classes— which are hermeneutics is the science of interpreting scripture. Homiletics is the, is the art and the skill of teaching through scripture. Uh, one of the things you do is, is what they call you cross the bridge of cultural context. So you, f- you find a text that was written, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, for instance, 2,700 years ago. You're like, how could that mean anything to people 2,700 years later? And you say, is there a bridge that ties these cultures together. Isaiah said that there'll be a voice of one calling, not calling in the wilderness, although we often say that because we don't know how to read punctuation. He said the voice of one calling is going to be this, where there is spiritual wilderness, in a spiritual desert, God is going to bring hope. I can't see Israel 2,700 years ago, other than what I study in Scripture. I can see Kansas City. Yeah. And we are a spiritual wilderness that needs hope. So I think part of what makes not just John the Baptist so relevant today, but the, the hopeful prophecies, the clear promises, Jesus saying he did a good job, was us looking around saying, hey, are, are we in a world that needs a voice? In, in, um, a voice that's calling into the spiritual void, hey, you need to see Jesus. And we are a culture that desperately needs that. We opened just a little bit, just talking about the horrific mass shootings um, in Buffalo. Uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, kind of off rhythm, we're recording in the summer of 2022 on the heels of a mass shooting at a supermarket, uh, supermarket in Buffalo that was racially motivated and on the heels of a mass shooting in an elementary school. And we just talked about how when, when, we, don't have, when we don't have answers, we can mourn. And mourning puts into context the reality of what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom. I think we're looking around at a really broken world um, that I, I think the whole world is becoming convinced. I think those in the middle are becoming convinced that the politicians can't fix it. 
And I think we're living in a wilderness where people are saying something's got to change, but I don't know what it is. Who can offer hope? I think we're in a great position in a spiritual wilderness to say, um, let me fill in that hole for you. Let me tear down that obstacle for you. Let me straighten that curve for you. Let me, uh, let me smooth out that rough patch that you've gone through. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I just, I just think we're, uh, we're, we're in a spot where hopelessness can be leveraged to introduce people to hope, and his name is Jesus. Yeah, because Jesus is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. So wanted to kind of dive into some of the daily reflections. If you're listening um, and you're not here, you may not get these, but each week Pastor Christian will put together some daily reflections. So, Yeah, and, and before you yeah. do that, so one of the things, we just came away from our 2023 planning retreat. It's a year at Journey where we want people to come and follow Jesus and to grow and to be shepherded well. And we know for that to happen, people have to be involved in spiritual community. Mm-hmm. And, w- and we hope that people take these home, put them in their Bible, and keep it on their nightstand and ask it of themselves. We also hope people are listening to the podcast. Sure. But one of the questions we're asking is, how do we leverage these questions and the podcast to make sure that these are not just content people are learning, but that they're conversations in community? Yeah. Um, and it will be good for you and I to go over these today, but we're trying to figure out in the fall how we compress some of this content that we are creating into community group life. So instead of people watching or listening to a podcast, they are dialoguing about the same information in their faith because we just think that they'll grow so much more in conversation rather than just just content intake. Yeah, no, great way to set this up. And this is these would be questions in Scripture we hope people would dialogue about. You mentioned Hebrews eleven nine through 10 in Monday's key scripture. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Yeah. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. So the key reflection is, how's your faith strengthened and challenged by the fact that this world and its brokenness will never allow us to feel at home spiritually? Followed up by Man, how important is spiritual community? So I think to have, to have <clears throat> the truth to put on top of the experience. So we, we are all experiencing. If, if, you're a, if you're a Christian who has a biblical morality, a biblical worldview, and is filled with the Holy Spirit, like earth clothes don't fit. Like, you just, like you just const, you're just constantly thinking man, I don't think they agree with me. I don't think they like me. I don't think they want me. Um, like there's so much of the world that you're like, I don't, yeah, I just don't, I don't feel like who God created me to be fits in with the whole world. That experience, to be able to lay truth on top of that experience and to say, and the reason why is you never will. You were made for a different kingdom. This world is temporary. This world is not your home. I think any of us who've ever been to a funeral we pray and hope that eternal things are real. Um, so I, th- I think being able to lay truth alongside experience allows our, the, like the light bulb of our soul to come on. I've always felt this. Now I'm told this is why that makes a tremendous amount of experience, uh, of, um, that makes a tremendous amount of sense to me. I think beyond that, asking why is it so important to travel in community that believes the same thing? I can see like you don't lose your mind. You are a, you are a stranger 
in a strange land, but you're not alone. And I think being able to travel a strange way in a strange land, but with familiar community who believes and loves one another like Jesus wants us to believe and have a biblical worldview and to care for one another like he cares for us, uh, I think makes the best of a bad situation. And the bad situation is Christians were not made to thrive and find perfection in this broken world yet. They will thrive more and get closer to perfection and community than they will by themselves. I think that's the, the key to that is the biblical truth helps my experience feel normal, not abnormal. I, I have some foundational truth for why I feel the way I feel and not having to do it alone just makes me feel stronger, yeah. makes me feel like I can make it. That's why we're putting so much effort into this fall and groups yep. and wanting more, call it buckets yep. for people to get involved with, yep. to have community, to grow, to be strengthened, because alone is difficult. And, and you is. and I know we talk to people all the time that are finally coming back to church who are alone for too long and are like, man, I needed to be here. Yep. Um, this verse from Isaiah in Tuesdays, Isaiah 40, verse uh, 3, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And I love this question. Um, not necessarily for you personally, who do you know is living in a spiritual wilderness, but what would you encourage people listening of steps they can take to interact with people? I think the question is, what could your first steps of preparation look like? Could you have coffee with someone? Could you have a text with someone? What, what could the first steps for some of our listeners be to reach out to those they know who are living in spiritual wilderness? Yeah, so this can, this can seem like a contradiction to the first question, because the first question is you've got to be in community with people like you to be able to stay strong, stay encouraged. Yes, we also have to be in community with people not like us to be on mission, yeah. right? So, like, we got to live in we got to live in both sides of that. So, I I think it's um, it's really important that we have relation relationships and community and connections with people who don't know who Jesus is yet. And I think we've got to be willing to have faith conversations with them, worldview conversations with them, even even when we don't know the answers to everything. So I'm walking through our leadership track kids right now with just a real basic book on discipleship that talks about level one through level five relationships. Level one is I know their face. Level two is I know their facts. Level three is I know their fears. Level four is I know their feelings. Level five is I know their faith. And one of the goals of next year at Journey is going to be to help people learn how to have level three through level five discussions. How would I begin helping someone in a wilderness, maybe look for Jesus, I would begin with level three and four and five discussions, particularly level three and four. Hey, when this happens in the world, why it is, what fears does that produce in you? Like that would be a great question. Like we're right now, like if we could be real transparent, we're in the gun debate again, right? Because of the latest mass shootings. I think the questions that be beyond faces and facts, what scares you? about no gun control. Like, what are your fears if, if there's no new legislation passed? Or vice versa. Um, what would be your fear if they did take away uh, guns or certain types of guns through legislation? What are those fears? And begin to get behind the rhetoric and the noise of why does that scare you? 
Why do you feel that way? What does that say about your faith and your trust in things that you can't control? There's, there are ways to have deeper soul discussions than surface level, but we got to get beyond that social media. And I think the, the texting, instead of just taking a stance and not even talking to anyone on the other side, let's open up dialogue with what scares you about my side? Um, what, do you, what do you feel would happen if my side got it right? What do I feel would happen if your side got it right? Um, and what does that say about our faith? What does that say about our faith walk? Those are great conversations to have, even when there aren't real clear-cut answers. Those are great conversations that let me know your heart, you know my heart, and all of a sudden we understand it like a, a human being yeah. a little more than just a position. Um, you know, and, and that's just, that's one, that's one political area that right now is, is sensitive and important to many, and you could probably learn a lot about somebody's soul, their past, their fears, their feelings, their faith, by just learning how to ask questions a few levels deeper. So I think we got to be involved, but we got to ask the right questions for the right reasons, boiling them down to what does this ultimately say about what you place your faith in, the way you feel, the things you're afraid of, the things that threaten you. What does that ultimately say about the things you place your faith in? And what is it, and how, and how does Jesus solve those? Yeah, and these are conversations with people you care about or want to get to know yeah. better. Yep. Uh, to love on them, to yep. ultimately point them to Jesus, but yep. but like you said, opening some dialogue about about faith matters that are important. Yep. And Ryan, I, I've had incredible discussions the last two weeks um, with some very very red conservative friends of mine, and with some deep blue, um, what I would call friends and family members of mine. Where I just listen, where I just kind of listened, yeah. like you know, I really, I don't have a dog in the fight right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to learn hearts, so I can figure out what part of their heart needs Jesus the most. And if you're listening to this podcast, and you're blue and you don't have a red friend, or you're red and you don't have a blue friend, like you probably need to get out more yeah. and listen more, and try to figure out how do I love and reach ultimately spiritually people not like me. Yes. So the next reflection question uh, is around the verse Mark, uh, chapter 1, 7 through 8. And this was his message. After he comes, uh, the, the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So kind of the reflection is that forgiveness is found clearly in a relationship with Jesus, right. not in religious rituals. So has there ever been a time where religious rituals and ceremonies replaced a real relationship with Jesus in your faith walk? Yeah, there's no doubt. So for me, my first few years of Bible college, right, public school kid who all of a sudden now has a forced convocation. It was good, mm-hmm. um, but forced convocation three times a week, freshman, sophomore year, um, freshman year specifically, was basically a political science government major, wanted to be an attorney. Um, second year was a history government um, major with an emphasis on secondary education, wanted to be a school teacher. So I wasn't studying ministry. But chapel three times a week, hall meetings that were Bible studies every Thursday night. And then we had to take uh, basically New Testament, Old Testament survey and Christian worldview. Like I was getting more Christian content than I had ever gotten in my life. So it's like, why do I need to 
read my Bible? Why do I need to go to church on Sunday? I literally, if you're, if you're just looking at the quantity of spiritual content, yeah. the number of songs I sing, the number of sermons I hear, the amount of times I have to open my Bible, I'm doing it so much for these classes and courses in school that I go to, it's totally unnecessary in my life. And I really believe with more spiritual content and reps than I ever had before in my life, my freshman and sophomore year, I really drifted from Jesus because I counted on other people's stuff, systems, rituals to try to feed my soul rather than every day having a personal relationship with Jesus. So I I would think that would be one really key time. And then, Ryan, you and I started in ministry at a similar time in 1998. Mm -hmm. There was probably a time in the early 2000s where I don't want to say ministry was an idol, but it became my spiritual feeder more than my personal walk with Jesus. And when it was good, I was great. Yeah. But when it was bad, um, I could just tell I was limping a little bit spiritually. We both know that the the greatest threat to someone in full-time ministries walk with Jesus is the ministry they're doing, trying to help other people walk with Jesus. Um, sometimes we don't feed ourselves, and we don't have enough energy to feed anyone else. So I think those would be the, the two times, first two years at college, and then kind of in my mid-20s in ministry, um, letting my personal relationship be way too wrapped up in the ministry that I was preparing for others rather than the ministry Jesus wanted to prepare for me. And we've talked about as a staff wanting to lead from overflow. Yeah. And that has to come from a personal yep. relationship with Jesus. And it's questions we have with um, with our uh, staff, with people we serve with. Yep. You know, are you are you serving from overflow? And then we can right. get an idea of, let right. me help you get close to Jesus. Right. Let, let's do a Bible reading plan together, something. Um. Before we have our last question, let me ask one more of these uh, devotionals, uh, key reflections. Friday's key thought. Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ and me, Jim Elliott. Yeah. And so the question is, who in your life has been a Jim Elliott to you? For example, their life brought you needed change into your life. Who... And, and who are you praying for that your life can be a G- Jim Elliott to them? Yes, yeah, so I think two, and I'll try to go quick. One would be um, a mentor in my life named Barry Rice. Mm. Uh, when I was being recruited to play football at uh, Liberty University, as a high school kid, Barry was the strength coach. He'd played football at Liberty and was the strength coach. By the time I got there, he'd gone into full-time ministry and had become a youth pastor that would, that would be the middle school pastor to, at a church that I would eventually serve under. And when God called me to ministry— like, I just wanted to tell the whole world my story and tell them, like, they needed Jesus, like I needed Jesus. And he would not let me preach. Um, to sixth, seventh, and eighth grade kids, he would not let me share my testimony publicly until I had served for one year as a small group leader. Because he said, if you're not willing to tell three people about Jesus, you do not get permission to tell 300 was how many kids had in their middle school ministry, your story. Um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a fork in the road in my life to let me know that what Jesus was doing in my life was meant for real people, not platforms. Um, it, it, was meant, it was meant for a congregation, not just crowds. He really helped me learn to love and know people with what Jesus was doing in me, rather than to just know my story and tell the masses. I think the second one was probably Clayton King. Mm. After nine months of praying about whether or not we were supposed to start a church, 
Uh, Clayton just prayed a prayer over Danielle and I one time at, at Liberty at a youth camp we were both speaking at that God would just give us the faith to step out. And that it was, I knew leaving that prayer, we're either going to start a church now or never, but it's decision time. Yeah. Those were two big ones for me. I think the fork in the road that I would like to be, uh, so I've been thinking about this question. Um, one, I want to be the fork in the road for kids who believe they're called to ministry but are afraid and who don't have support at home to say, I'll help you, let's go. Yeah. I, I want to be the fork in the road that takes uh, high school kids and college kids who are being called to the ministry and puts wind in their sails and backing to say, I'll, I'll help you. I want, I want kids to say, I'd been thinking about it, but then I met Christian and what they were doing at Journey, and I was all in. And I think for me, marriages, healthy marriages, I want couples who interact with me and Danielle in any marriage counseling we have to give. I want them to say, when I heard how seriously they took marriage and their focus on their marriage, it changed the way we did married life forever. Um, I think if, if at my funeral, people would say every time we interact with Christian and Danielle, our marriage got better. It was a fork in the road. We couldn't stay the same. And if kids who've been called to ministry could say, Christian gave me the courage and the faith and the help and the support to go into ministry, those would, those would be two pretty good wins I'd like to be known for. What a great challenge. And if you're listening, what Pastor Christian feels called to may be very different than what you are. And you have to figure out where, what fork in the road you want to be. Is it that everybody you work with just knows that I honor Jesus and I have integrity, whether it's everyone in your neighborhood knows that that family loves Jesus? I think we all have to figure out for each of us what that's going to be. And hopefully it's being being known for walking and, and living closely with Jesus. Last question. Um, same every week. Our fourth discipleship track right. is multiplication, right? Leadership track of how do we want to take what we've learned and share it with someone else. So what from the message today would you want our audience to share with someone? Yeah, so kingdom profile number one, right? John the Baptist lived with courage and convictions that came from a spiritual calling that he thought he had on his life to make Jesus clearly visible to people. I would say if we have anyone in our life, if we're a follower of Jesus— and it's not really, really clear to people. It's because of an area you have fear in or an area you have complacency in. If I was discipling someone, I'd say, okay, who in your life doesn't know you're a Christian? That's around you often. They don't know how much you love Jesus and how much he's done for you. What fears are holding you back that you need to have courage in? Or what complacency, what areas of complacency are not showing them the convictions you have, but you're not living. Um, I think those would be the two questions that would stir really good conversation and could spur growth if you would take action in those areas. Mm, that's great. I, I would add, um, I love the conversations that we've had with people about finding out uh, whether they've been baptized, yep. finding out if that is a, a public thing that they've done, or at least, you know, even if it's 20 friends in the backyard, I've at least let people know I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I would, I would challenge our listeners, as Pastor Christian did on Sunday, if you haven't been baptized, if you listen to that message and you couldn't say what we believe John the Baptist wanted people to be able to say about, I'm, I've decided, I've turned my back on sin, I've decided to walk with him, I want the world to know we would love to walk with you, we'd love to encourage you. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. You can text journey to 474747. We'd love to follow up with you and help you take that important next step 
we would celebrate, um, and we, we would love that. Pastor Christian, thank you. Glad to have you back, B-team. Nice job. <laughs> G, uh, junior Varsity did uh, did really great. Really did. I, I texted him and said I'm really proud of you guys. You it better be awesome. careful, man, because that, that Junior Varsity is going to be like Tom Brady when he stepped in for <laughs> Jim Bledsoe. And like, I'll be out. You, you're, yeah, we're not, we're not going to get our seats back. They're going to they're gonna Wally Pip us. It's like... When the B team is Lou Gehrig and Tom Brady, you better not you better not give up your seat I'm very gonna, often. Hey, I will gladly pass it on. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We're glad you've tuned in. If you're in uh, in the Kansas City area, uh, or if you're visiting, we'd love to have you come and be a part of one of our services on Sunday morning, eight thirty or ten thirty here in Lee Summit. Otherwise, uh, if you have a question or something we can do for you, you can email that that email I gave a moment ago. Activate at take the uh, take the journey cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.